Stigma and Prohibition, History of Laws, Anti-Marijuana Campaigns, and the Legalization Movement. Moderated by Luigi Del Puerto, Arizona Capital Times Associate Publisher and Editor. Joined by panelists Stacy Pearson, Lead Strategist for Smart and Safe Arizona, and Senior Vice President for Strategies 360 in Arizona. Jeffrey Lawrence, Senior Policy Fellow at the Reason Foundation, and Mike Noble, Chief of Research and Managing Partner at OH Predictive Insights. My name is Luigi Del Puerto. I'm the associate publisher and editor of the Arizona Capital Times. Uh, the Arizona Capital Times has been around since before statehood, 1906. Uh, we cover nothing else but state politics, so we, uh, uh, we only write about politics every day. And um, people describe us as a, um, an independent, nonpartisan, non-ideological newspaper. I like to describe ourselves as, a, as an equal harassment newspaper. <laughs> I like that label. Um, we are fortunate to have this panel with us uh, tonight. Uh, it's already nighttime. Um, they're great. They know their stuff. And so let's just um, you know, dive into it. So we have Stacy Pearson. Stacy is the lead strate strategist for Smart and Safe Arizona. That's the campaign to uh, legalize recreational use. Uh, she's the senior vice president for Arizona for strat uh, Arizona. I'm sorry, senior vice president for Arizona for Strategies 360. Uh, she has more than two decades of experience in journalism, public relations, public affairs, and of course campaign consulting. And she also ran Pulp and Zone's campaign that of course unseated uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio a couple years ago. Stacy, thanks for being here. <laughs> Jeffrey Lawrence is a senior policy fellow at the Research Foundation. He previously served as chief financial officer and chief compliance officer at Players Network Incorporated which is the first publicly traded marijuana company to be listed on a U.S. exchange. Uh, he also overs at, at um, uh, Players Network, uh, he oversaw compliance with state and local laws and regulations for the company's operations across two states. And he served uh, previously as a senior appointee to the Nevada State Controller's Office, where he oversaw external financial reporting covering nearly $10 billion in annual transactions on behalf of the state. So if something went wrong in Nevada at that time, you can blame Jeff Jeffrey here. <laughs> Thanks for being here. And there's Mike Noble. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Mike is the uh, Chief of Research and Managing Partner at OH uh, Predictive Insights. His work has been cited by the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Politico, just to name a few of the uh, uh, very highly regarded newspapers me and media publications, media companies across the country. He's very persuasive. Um, he, has, he has persuaded me to reconsider my very ancient parameters for what's considered to be a good poll. So uh, thanks for being here. Thank you. And Luigi left out actually the actually most important publication I've been pub published by, which is the Arizona Capital Times. So, so uh, thank you. A quick poll, who uh, among you here uh, subscribes to the Arizona Capital Times? There's, a there's just a couple, of, I'm a, you're breaking my heart. <laughs> Let's uh, talk to me after, okay, I'll get you a discount. I'm serious. So, um, you know, I, there's a concept called um, steel manning, which is the opposite of straw manning, and the idea is that you articulate your opponent's arguments as best you can, and that shows you if uh, you fully understood your opponent's you know, um, uh, best arguments. So let me start with that. 
And let me, let me start with Stacy and, and Jeffrey. So, um, what is the best argument against legalizing recreational use? Oh, the best argument against? Yep. I can't think of a good argument against. I mean, you, you, can, you can argue against using the drug. If you don't want your kids taking it, great. But, to, but it exists. It is here. It is, there is a market for it. It is just not regulated, taxed, or tested. And so what we're asking voters to do isn't espouse the benefits of marijuana. We're, we're telling them, do you want it taxed and tested or not? It's still here. It's still being consumed, still being sold. So, so, so you're saying the best argument, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's here. It, it, it's here. Okay. All right, what about Jeff? Is it Jeff or Jeffrey? Uh, either one's fine. Um, so I what's think the best, best argument against recreational use? Uh, so I think the most convincing argument that I have heard probably is uh, losing control over inventory tracking. So uh, what that means in practical purposes is, uh, we saw this in Colorado when they first legalized, is that uh, you had illegal operators, uh, maybe in cartels, that were moving marijuana product into, out of Colorado, and it was difficult for... Uh, for law enforcement to determine uh, if somebody had marijuana in their possession, whether it was uh, whether it originated from a legal source or an illegal source. Uh, so the, the trafficking issue uh, in legal states and across two illegal states, uh, I think is the most convincing, although uh, you know states that do have inventory tracking have come up with ways to, to control for that. So basically it's something along the lines of we might lose like a ton of weed out there and uh, they're going to flood the market and we have no way of, uh, of accounting for them. Well, it, you know, it could be, I think the concern is it could be a cover, legalization could be a cover for uh, illegal operators like cartels smuggling across the border and you won't know whether it's legal or illegal. Um, so, Mike, let me pull you in. Uh, you've done polling on uh, recreational use. What, is the, what, is the, what do the data tell you? Well, the data first, let me jump in with the argument against, I would say probably is that uh, safety around edibles and children. Why? Because we saw this actually back in 2016 when recreational marijuana was on the ballot, which it actually was defeated. And that was actually the number one argument the no side actually used was to basically strike fear of that, hey, if you have these edibles around. So anyways, I would say that's probably the strongest argument currently. But with the polling sits That right argument, by the way, succeeded in, in defeating the initiative. Correct, exactly. Right. But when it comes to the polling, right? So when it came to polling last time, actually everyone was actually projecting that marijuana legalization was going to pass in Arizona. We were actually the one outlier saying, actually, we think it's gonna be close, but we don't think it's gonna pass. It lost by two and a half points. Very close, but didn't make it across the line. However, since we've been tracking this issue, it's actually polling at the highest it's ever been among voters. On our most recent survey, among 900 registered voters across the state, representative of the voting population, 51% were in support of it, with about 30% actually against it. So it was uh, above water by 21 points. So in the best spot. So, so can I've been I've been covering the state. Let, I'm sorry, I've been covering politics for about a dozen years now. And the sort of rule of thumb, and of course, it's not a rigid rule of thumb, but the rule of thumb is that if you're threading at below 60% and you're starting out with an initiative, um, it gets difficult to pass it. Um, Stacy, um, you've seen some of those initiatives, ballot measures on the ballot, and they're threading below 60%, and uh, they turned out to be uh, failures at the ballot box. W what is your internal polling showing you if you've done some already? Oh, it's showing us higher than 51. What's um, the number? But 
Oh, I'm not releasing. Why not? Because I don't want to. <laughs> Come on, this is completely <laughs> off the record. I'm not going to write about it in the Arizona Capital Times. Uh, this I will not show up on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere <laughs> oh, of else. Of course not. Promise. I mean, we're, it's a, it's a, we're all going to keep the secret, right? Everybody agrees? I'll tell you what the most important... Okay, turn off your cameras right now. Uh, what I will tell you, the most important number in our polling is folks that acknowledged they voted against it in 2016 and agreed to vote in favor in 2020. And that is a 12-point shift. Th those folks sunk that initiative in 2016, and they're willing to consider and, in fact, are in favor. And so that shift is extraordinary, and it's largely in part um, because this uh, the product is is taking off in suburbs. You've got moms in soccer with soccer kids um, willing to imbibe, and, and that has shifted tremendously. So, so uh, Jeffrey, what have you seen in um, initiatives in other states? You know, you mentioned, you know, Mike mentioned 51%, uh, which gives me, if, if I'm, because I'm a reporter, and uh, if I were to write that story, I'm gonna write this story with a 51% um, uh, uh, passing rate as um, really shaky, but what, what do you feel? What's your, uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, you know, I think there's a, there's a track record of states across the country where an initiative has been run and loses and comes back the next time around and passes. I, Oregon's a great example. Uh, in 2012, when Washington and Colorado both legalized as the first states, it was also simultaneously on the ballot in Oregon and lost by just over a point. Um, it came back two years later and won overwhelmingly. Uh, so I, I think it's, uh, you know, there are some old stereotypes about marijuana uh, that we, uh, culturally those barriers have to be broken down. And the more messaging the general public gets about what legalization entails, uh, the more willing they become to support it. So um, uh, last time, uh, you know, Arizona has like a love-hate relationship with uh, marijuana initiatives. In 1996, we passed one uh, um, uh, uh, to allow doctors to prescribe um, uh, marijuana. And then, of course, the legislature sort of monkeyed with it, and, and as a result, it was never implemented. And then, of course, in 2010, we legalized um, medical marijuana, and then, uh, you know, in 2016, uh, that initiative failed. Um, I, right now, I have not um, I cannot, I have not foreseen, or I, I, I to the best of my t ability, I don't see a well-funded um, opposition to um, uh, Stacey's initiative. And, and Stacey, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, if you're hearing from the grapevine, if you want to share with the audience, if you're hearing the same thing or, or anticipating the same thing. And what I, what I mean by a well-funded campaign is something that has enough money to counter the messaging from the uh, initiative? So in, I'm hearing the same um, that you are. We are prepared for opposition. We know it's coming. The, there are Sheila Polk organizations, folks that are just anti-cannabis, um, period. Um, but in 2016, the, that money, the money that led to the defeat of that initiative was largely raised by the business community who had some very serious concerns about the language and whether or not they could prohibit use among employees. And we were abundantly clear in the language that, that there are employers' employers protections, and APS being among them, or utility companies being among them, they don't want folks using um, cannabis and working on power poles. Okay. They also can't take Ambien. Great. That, that seems like a logical thing to do. Right, yeah. So 
So, I mean, th these were the so conversations. So you can't smoke, you can't right. smoke while you're up there. Yeah, seems. Oh, okay. I, I right. okay, I'm good with that too. So, so the reason I'm asking whether there's an organized opposition is that if there's not an organized opposition, then ha, I'm, I'm going to make a presumption here, which I think is going, I'm going to be wrong. But if there's not an organized opposition, this may be the only public uh, forum in which we can grill Stacy. <laughs> Um, uh, about uh, you know what an opposition might look like uh, in 2020 if one were to emerge. So let me play that role. Um, I want to give you the opportunity to go to answer some of the tough questions that I, that I would ask as a reporter, but also um, you know if there's a campaign that they would pose against uh, the initiative. So you know, Mike, you mentioned uh, the issue around edibles and children uh, and how successful that argument was in uh, in 2016. So um, uh, so let me ask, let me begin with this one. Um, so there are numerous studies out there. Um, you can just Google them, by the way, <laughs> which is what I did. There are numerous studies out there that affirm, for example, the statistical associations between cannabis use and, among other things, psychosis, schizophrenia, schizophrenia, depression, anxiety, and suicide. You can disagree with the studies, but they're out there. One study, for example, published by the Western Journal of Emergency Medicine just last year, claimed that with regards to adolescent suicides in the state of Colorado, marijuana, marijuana was the most common substance present for ages um, 10 to 19 in 2016. It might be, we have 10 to 19 in 2016. And that of 62 suicides with uh, data on toxicology available, marijuana was present in 30.6% compared to just 9.7% for alcohol. Now, as a parent, I look at that, and that's a sobering, very sobering fact for me. Um, there's a, one other study that said, uh, I'm sorry, the same study, and I quote, cannabis said, cannabis legalization has led to significant health consequences, particularly to patients in emergen emergency departments and hospitals in Colorado. The most concerning include psychosis, suicide, and other substance abuse. Deleterious effects on the brain include decrements in complex decision-making, which may not be reversible with abstinence, increases in fatal motor, motor vehicle collisions, adverse effects on cardiovascular and pulmonary systems, inadvertent pediatric exposures. We, but let, let me finish. So uh, you, you have the, the opportunity to respond. Uh, contaminants exposing users to infectious agents, heavy metals and pesticides, and hash oil burn injuries. Hash oil burn injuries in preparation for drug concentrates have been documented. So my question is, is there an agreement among the panel panelists that it's not good for your physical and mental health to smoke weed? So I think the question that you started with was, th these, are th these are going to be the opponent's arguments. And I'm going to let everyone in on a secret. Just because it's legal, doesn't mean you have to use it. Sure, sure, I get so that part. So if you agree okay. with any of those yeah. assertions, right. the trick is don't take it. So, so, so that's a good point. Uh, you know, you're an adult, you, it's up to you whether you want to use something or not. It's the same with alcohol. And you can you buy it today, so, just so, on but, the black market. But is there agreement? And, I'll, I'll, and, 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 and uh, like I said, this might be the only opportunity we can, we can ask these questions. Um, uh, so. Is there agreement among the panelists that smoking weed is bad for your mental and physical health? Let's, smart, let, let's ask Jeffrey. All right. uh, yeah, I encounter these arguments a lot. Um, I, th I think there's a nuanced answer, actually, uh, because Please. opponents 
will seize upon these, what I think are statistical artifacts, uh, to present you know, this relationship with psychosis, with psychosis. Yes, the population of marijuana users has more prevalence of psychosis than the population of non-users. However, when you dig down deeper in the data, what you see is that uh, psychosis, uh, people who are already prone to psychosis or already suffer from it, uh, use marijuana at an overwhelming rate, primarily to, uh, as a self-medication uh, device. Uh, now, so, so if, you're, if you're already prone to uh, psychotic problems and then you use marijuana, then it gets worse. Yes. Okay. Uh, now, I, I will say that there's, there is evidence that uh, using marijuana on a regular basis below about age 20 uh, impedes brain development. Uh, so young people, plain and simple, should not use marijuana. However, there is evidence also that uh, for older adults, uh, you know, those 50 plus, uh, using marijuana can slow deterioration of the brain. Uh, so, you know, symptoms like Alzheimer's uh, can, may be delayed by regular marijuana use. Uh, and it may not be THC. It may be other cannabinoids like CBG. CB, so uh, you're, CBD, you're so. saying if you're young, don't use it. The, the older you get, then, the, then, then you might consider. Right. So what about Stacy? So, uh, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, what about Mike? Um, what do you think of this? It's interesting that when it comes to this subject, and by the way, I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm a researcher. I just look at what the data tells me. And you look at currently that, you know, think about uh, when in high school, was it easier to get alcohol than it was to get marijuana in high school? Yes, because it was legal for adult use. And that's essentially what they're doing right now is putting it on the ballot to be legalized, not for recreational. I think that's, by the way, a misnomer. It's actually for adult use and so you look at it, it folks will have and that's why the no campaign defeated the yes campaign just three years ago because again they targeted saying hey there will be more of a proliferation more access and again striking fear into the you know the voters which again ultimately which what everyone said the polling was going to go but guess what it didn't and currently the numbers we're seeing i think it's going to be incredibly not only close but it's really going to depend on the arguments because the yes has a far harder job to do than the no side the no just has to poke holes in the argument the yes has to stay on one single message and stay linear on that approach so, so, so it's going to be close so so another way i guess of asking the question is that um you know you mentioned it strikes fear um, uh, uh, which was successful in 2016. And, and when you say strike fear, um, you know, the question that popped in my mind is that, is that fear valid? Um, what is the validity of that fear? So let me, let me rephrase the question another way. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is a little bit of a flippant question, but you'll get it. Um, would you recommend smoking weed for uh, you know, adult use, not recreational use, adult use to your family members and close friends? I would say that they should do their research, and I would caution them to uh, know what they're getting themselves into. Okay, so. what about Stacy? Would you recommend it to your close friends and uh, family members? I just got my mother, my 74-year-old mother, a card. So, <laughs> <laughs> and and just just as a caveat, I'm also the mother of a 17-year-old girl, and I'm married to a cop. So would you? And so would yes. You yes. So <laughs> the answer is <laughs> yes. Okay, you would recommend it to your cop. Husband yes. and to uh, your uh, seventy-year-old. Yes, uh, okay. I, I right, okay. absolutely All right. would. Well, well, you know. So um, then I can't a I can't ask my follow-up question because you you did answer it. What about what about Jeffrey? You have. Uh, you know, would, I you think 
Would you recommend it to your close friends and family members? Uh, I think it's an individual decision, but there, I do believe there are some demonstrated uh, medical benefits of certain cannabinoids, uh, including through FDA-supervised studies now with CBD. Um, so, yeah I, yeah, I think in some cases I would recommend it. Uh, CBD is, a, uh, um, I think the uses and uh, uh, medical benefits of CBD have been proven time and again in numerous studies, but um, we're not necessarily talking about CBD, we're talking about THC. Uh, right, yeah, I think, I think THC is, uh, there are, there's limited evidence that it has, may have some medical benefit, um, but, uh, you know, I think that's an individual choice. I, so, I so um, you know, what I'm getting at is that, um, you know, one, one of the, uh, I would presume one of the questions would be, in 2020, if there's an organized opposition, or one argument would be that, um, it might lead it might lead, recreational use or legalizing adult use might lead to uh, a situation in which, in which children have more access to um, uh, mar marijuana. And if that is the case, then it's a problem. So uh, let me cite one study real quick. So this is published by the Society for Adolescent Health and Medicine last year. And they were looking at the marijuana-related visits in Colorado, and their study showed that uh, the visits increased by, you know, from 1.8 person per 1,000 visits in 2009 to about 4.9 in 2015. And then they concluded that despite data from national surveys suggesting that no appreciable difference in adolescent marijuana use after legalization, legalization their data, and I quote, demonstrate a significant increase in adolescent marijuana associated, associated emergency department and urgent care visits in Colorado. So if somebody were to say, there are studies out there that indicate, that show that you might see an increase in children getting access to uh, uh, marijuana if it's legalized for adult use, your answer would be? Uh, well, you know, I think the Colorado Department of Health data shows that teen use actually is down a couple points since uh, legalization. That said... So, so this study is actually counterpointing that. Um, in effect, they're saying, yeah, sure, there are, there are, there are those that show that um, uh, use by youngsters may go down, but the hospital Overdose. visits have increased. Right. Um, so I would tell people, don't leave your guns and alcohol out on the counter. Follow the same rule with your weed. <laughs> so, so don't leave your guns on the counter and don't leave your, your, your uh, or, or don't leave your pill bo bottle open. And okay. we took some pretty extraordinary, yeah, we took some uh, pretty extraordinarily, extraordinary lengths in the initiative to prohibit things that could be mistaken for kids' candy. So it, yep. we limit, Tell us about it. <laughs> we prohibit, the list of things is long and weird, but uh, uh, edible cannot be in the shape of an animal or an insect, or a person, or a couple of others. Cartoon characters. So you can have a gummy blob. <laughs> That's square shape. Yeah. But so we tried to keep it from looking like. So so okay. So so let, let me let me ask you then. Are you prepared to say that Arizona will not see an increase in cannabis use by children if this initiative passes? I'm not prepared to say there's whether or not there's going to be an increase in cannabis use whether or not it passes. If I gave my daughter 20 bucks tomorrow and said, come back with a bottle of vodka 
or a bag of weed, she would be back with weed first. So, so that presumes then, you're, you're saying you're not prepared to say it, but that presumes when you say if you give a teenager money to go out, buy alcohol, buy weed, they'll buy weed. So that presumes easier to get. That presumes then that we might see an increase in. Uh, I have no idea. I, I have no, there's that. I am not. That presumption is a leap. Yeah. That. So. So I, I like this audience a lot. You guys are very engaged. Awesome. That is great. That's what I want. Engaged citizens. You still need. You still need to subscribe to the Arizona Capital Times because we will absolutely cover this issue next year. Well, Jeffrey, Stacy, Mike, thank you so much for this wonderful panel. Thank you for uh, enduring <laughs> my questions. And you guys, you're, you're wonderful. You're such good sports.